I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. Surprise, surprise. Phil's late. Don't know where he is. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be here momentarily. This is one episode 170 of Snakes and Stogies, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network, uh, brought to you by blackboxcages.com, uh, Facebook, Instagram. They're on there. Go give them a follow. Uh, stay in the loop about any new releases that are coming, coming soon, hint, hint, some new stuff coming. Uh, and then if you end up deciding to get a rack or a cage or both uh, from Black Box, then put in the code THN at checkout. Save yourself just a tiny bit of money, a little bit off the top. Every little bit helps. Uh, awesome products. We here at the network obviously can't say enough good things about them. Jake and I just went up there Saturday and picked up a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm still in the process of getting the room rearranged. Uh, I ended up getting an XA3, the bio option. Uh, so it is a 3 by 18 by 18 if I'm not mistaken. And it's going to be the female persinum's new setup uh and then next year the male will go in there and they'll be cohabbed because i'm planning to pair them next year so that'll look really good i got some pretty cool stuff planned out for it um i'm actually going to end up doing more with it in terms of the design and stuff than sort of i had initially planned so now i'm going to be adding some um some plants other than pothos in there that i hope will work out and uh We'll see see what happens, but look at that. We match. Look at that. We match. Oh. Yeah. So blackboxcages.com, check them out. Um, got my XR16 rack set up. Did a bunch of shifting around of uh of animals on Sunday. Um, you know, the usual dance when new cages come in. It's exhausting and it drives me crazy, but it must be done. So Got a lot of corns moved over and moved around, and now I have a like a six quart shoebox rack that I now have to get rid of, and uh, now I got to figure out where this cage is going to go. Playing the old uh, old room Tetris. Ugh, ugh. The price we pay like... for getting slick new black box cages. I know, right? Oh man, I know. Uh, and like. I have so many ideas drawn out for black box cages and like getting the background and the foam and like doing it right. I just need more. I, I just need more. Yeah. So I have that when we went to black box, me and Jake went up there before you hopped on. I was saying me and Jake drove up there for Saturday and picked up. Um, I got a spare piece of PVC to use for the bamboo like runs, I guess is what you'd call it. But 
my original plan was to screw them in from the bottom into the bamboo, but the problem is, is unless you have a joint, like you know how those bam- bamboo has like the joints, like the knuckles. Yeah, yeah. If unless you have one of those, like right there at the bottom, you're not screwing in anything. It's hollow. Um, so what I think I'm gonna end up doing, I got a can of spray foam, and I'm just gonna spray foam them, um, and then you know whittle it down to look right and going to be more involved than i initially sort of planned it to be and i was saying i got uh, some lemongrass walmart had some lemongrass for like three bucks for a decent sized pot of it so i'm going to put that in there and see how well that does nice um you i think to, it'll um, it'll look good i think if it works you gotta well. cut it cut what the grass so from from my personal experience now there is terrarium grass that they sell now that I haven't tried yet. And if anyone's listening has tried it, let me know how it goes. But all the grasses that I've tried to grow in Bavaria, you got to cut it because if you don't, it's going to grow to its max length of its ability in that enclosure. And then it's just going to die and fall over. While as if you cut it much like an herbivore would be, or excuse me, as Nipper would say, a herbivore would be eating it and trimming it down. It'll just keep growing and keep living. So. I have a picture of it because Billy Hunt was like, oh, like the herb, which I guess there is an herb that is called lemongrass. Um, but I don't think this is it because this is big-ish. It's not small. I got a picture I'm trying to pull up right now. And uh, Jason Keller wants to know when I'm putting squams in the black boxes. And it's going to be, most likely, it's going to be clobberi and subox to be honest. So at least that's where my mind's going. Yeah. And while we were up there, we, you know, we talked to, to Jen and Clint a pretty good bit um, about some ideas and some stuff we've heard for that. People are wanting, you know, that people have asked us about, um, you know, FB nineties being a big one. Uh, that's the, like the massive they're big tubs. Vision has an equivalent. And I want to say it's something like, 160 quarts or something ridiculous it's huge wow but it's designed more for like i think boas they call it the boa tub i think is what the vision version is of that and even that the vision version is a little bit bigger than the freedom breeder from the fb90 so um if you guys have certain sizes that you're wanting let us know because we pass that information along to jen and clint like we're helping to take a temperature of the of the you know what's going on outside uh, a pulse. There you go. We got our finger on it. So look at that. I think that was a Smitty question. It wasn't a Smitty question. I kind of feel not, dumb because I think it was. <laughs> I'm not putting squams in them. Um, FB90s. So if there is enough, basically, black box is more than willing to make stuff that people are, that is in demand. There just has to be a demand for it. Like, obviously if there's two people that want some really off the wall, odd tub, they're not going to take the time and resources to, to put that together. But if there is a common size, be it arboreal, you know, freedom breeder stuff, vision stuff, and you want to see it, then let us know someone, me, Phil, Jake, uh chris bradley bill bradley the gang you know and we will make sure we pass that along so yeah um we had a a good 
sort of brainstorming while we were there about about that stuff and sort of I gave my two cents on some of the things that that they're looking to add or change or anything like that uh so we'll we shall see nice i just got the pictures you sent me um what i was going to say is on the topic of you guys brainstorming i was actually thinking and and i hopefully i'm not alone in this but i've always been envious of the fish people having the ability to utilize the corner of a room whether you have a bow front that's a corner or you have an actual square or even an octagonal tank, we really don't have that option for front loading, you know? Um, everything's through the top. Well, you can't stack it. Well, through- there's there's the the corner aquariums that PetSmart sells now. Yeah, but, it, but is it, what's it like a corner XO, basically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I was thinking was is but because... I do agree there. Yeah, you can't stack it if it's top loading. And even there, you, you, I got to look more into those. But I was thinking, could you have, I mean, it would it would be unsightly in theory because there would be a support beam and or track on the corner point of the cube facing you. But could you have it a slider where it slid towards you at an angle so it would clear the enclosures on the left and right of the bookshelf or wherever you put it in your home? But you, you can only open one pane at a time, obviously. But you'd slide the left open or slide the right open and have your corner unit. Hmm. I don't know. It could be unsightly because of the, the beam in the middle, but who knows? could be interesting. Yeah. Let me try and uh, pull those pictures up for you. Or are you going to? Oh, I got them. I'm going to. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, but real quick, so... Black box, as we mentioned, uh, Puget Sound pythons. Check them out. Check them out on Morph Market. Um, if you're in the Pacific Northwest and you've gone to any of those shows, um, there's a re- expo up there that's really taken off. They're vending that usually, so I'm sure you've seen them there if you've gone. Uh, give them a follow also on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out. Uh, Fulvius Apparel. Check it out. FulviusApparel.com. Fulvius Apparel on Facebook and Instagram. Buy yourself a shirt. Buy yourself a hat. You can look like me and Phil, decked out, head to toe, and uh, yeah, help the guy out. Cold bloody caffeine. Check them out as well. We gotta we gotta get on uh, on the horn with Trey and get our our concoction ironed yeah, out. For sure. I was talking to him the other day about it. We gotta make it happen. So. Other than that, uh, anyways, let me see. Let me pull this up. So I've got, this is the the lemongrass that Walmart had for cheap. Nice. Says it needs a lot of light. So, again, I don't think that's the herb. I think that's, like, the legit grass. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that, that's not what I was thinking. Stuff. I was thinking what looks more like wheatgrass. So that's pretty cool. That'll look really good in there with the bamboo. I think it will too. We'll see. And uh, Lance Kirkman, forgive me for belated congratulations. So give that a shot. I think it'll do okay. Yeah. Now, on the bamboo with the hollow bottom, are you going to? I know you said you were going to do some 
dremeling and whatever, but are you still going to do the idea of putting screws through a pane of wood as a base and then mounting it that way? Or are you thinking about like, are you going to fill it with spray foam and then you could screw into the spray foam? Or are you just going to spray no, foam? No, no, I'm just going to spray foam it in because a, like the thickness of the bamboo walls itself aren't very thick. Uh, okay. Uh, so there's really nothing to, to get in there unless I'm, you know, using right. tiny screws and I'm actually really accurate and that's a thicker piece of PVC. So after some, some back and forth with myself, uh, looking at it, I think the spray foaming is just going to be the, the better route to yeah. go, you know, I'm and, and you're not pain, but you're not cutting them in half. Are you? No. Yeah. Cause I feel like it'll look, it'll have so much more depth if you keep it completely cylindrical. Yeah, it is. Um, I've got is that one, two, three. Got like nine or ten pieces. Nice to put together. But my like my concern now is thinking about if I spray foam it, I'll really have to do like spray foam one like three or four of them, and then carve that away, and then do another three or four of them and carve that away because if I do them all, it'll be a real pain to get any sort of blade in there to trim that out in between the the pieces and stuff and yeah. it still look decent because i don't want there to be a lot of spray foam i don't want it to be like a mound of spray foam that i then have to cover with like silicone or something else before i put substrate on it yeah i want to like basically i want there to be enough just to hold it upright and to keep it upright um and then you know cut it out from what if you did this well are you using the black pond foam uh it's the great stuff equivalent no but is it a black black box or is it a white black box? It's a white. Ah, uh, see, that's tough, man. Because I was going to say, if it was black, you get the black pond foam, and you could basically measure the the height exactly on the inside, and then cut your bamboo that is going to go all the way to the top of the enclosure, cut it to exact size, and then spray a bunch of foam on the bottom. And then spray a line across the seam of the top, just to hold the just to hold the the tip of it in. You know what I mean? And then just lay them all in there. I mean, you may have to get more bamboo. I don't know, but just press them all in. Then spray foam over top of the bases and throw a bunch of you know cocoa husk and cocoa fiber on that to kind of blur the bottom. And I think that would look great. Yeah, I just like the the point of the plate would be to if I ever had to upgrade or go bigger, you could just take it, it out. Being, like it not yeah, I not yeah, you just take it out. Yeah, no, I get it, I get it. That makes sense. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, Lisa said lemongrass is a woody bamboo like stuff. Oh, okay. And Tom Tom Kasup. This probably is the herb. So who knows? I could probably eat some and tell you if it's lemony or not. I'm sure it'll taste like grass. Nice. But nice. we'll see if that's the case, then it'll fit in great. I also found like a clay pot, which I, I need to go back to Walmart and buy like two more because they were only like three bucks. But they had some some nice uh, like crosshatch looking like terracotta cr concrete stuff uh, type pots. So I want to get it a couple of those and like break them and kind of I really wanted to make it look like a I want it. I want you to feel like you're in vietnam when you're looking at that cage yeah man looking at those blue-eyed beasts yeah for the sure male ready to tear your freaking face off i still think uh uh you should definitely do a realistic uh vinyl background 
on the inside. That way you can have like the bamboo will still cover most of the picture, but you could still have like the window into the jungle. You know what I mean? Maybe like a like a game trail or something. Or like the, the edge of a bamboo forest looking out over like the mountainous terrain or like those rice paddies that they the rice farmers that they cut into the side of the hill. That would be awesome. Well, my other idea was to take some of these crepe myrtle perches that I've I've made and have those along the back sort of randomly. Because they'll use the hell out of those. Um, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, if I'm adding all this stuff, they're going to be a nightmare to get out if I have to. Like the snakes. <laughs> yeah. They're going to figure out all the nooks and crannies. <clears throat> and they're going to make it real hard. But That's what they do, man. What do you, what are you lighting up there? So this is an LH that I got a while ago, and I have no idea what it is. It's a black band with gold trim, and it it's very – it's like a pseudo-Maduro. I don't know. It has no fragrance at all, which I thought was kind of weird. But uh, it's like time to smoke it, and I honestly have no idea what it is. But Going for it. Yeah, I'm not familiar. I wonder if that was like a – someone got that for like a wedding or like a – event kind of thing yeah maybe because the fact that it doesn't have any branding on it or anything like that is odd that makes me wonder yeah. if it was like a custom someone just got some bands made on cheap cigars to which people do that is a thing yeah yeah i don't know i was even looking for like a fine print in like the edge of the filigree and there's just nothing it just says yeah. lh so hmm. let me know how that uh how that pans out and yourself i see that little orange band that's right it can only be one thing neanderthal only one i this is the best cigar of all time no one can convince me otherwise personally i think this is like it the size is just good one day I'm going to ball out and get a box of them for the low, low price of like $500. Is that really how much a box is? Oh, that's because they put like 40 in there, right? Yeah, it's a big box. Yeah, that's the problem. They don't do 20s or 10s. I don't know. How's the how's the hat fit? The hat fits like a glove. Um, I always get nervous with hats because everyone's got their preference. Everyone's yeah. fits differently. Like those STC 39s, that those Yupongs, they fit me kind of. If I'm moving around a lot and I'm working on them, it gets a little irritated because I feel like they don't sit very deep. Like they sit kind of shallow. You, they, I have a so lot. So I feel like they don't. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Well, I'll say this. So the brim is fantastic. The front of the hat feels great. The Alterna logo came out fantastic. Um, I am not a snapback guy at all, but this feels great. I don't have anything cutting into me. I actually, I got three buttons, which is rare for me with a snapback. So three buttons, that's good enough for me. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of trucker hats. However, this is not your stereotypical trucker hat, like super starchy, like, cage on your head um it's it folds nice and the back part that actually is the the trucker part that actually fits my head perfect the only thing and the band the the front strap fits perfect the only thing that i thought was interesting is it's very tall you know what i mean like there's a, like i don't know if i, I don't yeah. want, i don't want to dent it but here look you can see like yeah it's 
You know, I, I mean? don't know how <laughs> how the manufacturers do it because it's like how do you how do you make a hat that that works as universally as possible? Because you, you can't, man. Everyone's head's different. Yeah. Some people swear by the Richardson one twelves. Some people swear by you know the the flex fits and the two different sizes and like yeah, it's tough. So I always get nervous when people, you know, when I'm doing, and I, I do have the Barons design for those still that I never really fully released. Um, and I have the Ogati one that I never fully released either. Uh, and that's just because I need to like basically settle on like two, two closure options, be it flex fit or snapback, or maybe just snapback and then like one or two colors and just call it a day because it's yeah. just entirely too many options, and it's one of those things where it's like I'm gonna go with what what I think works best. Yeah, for everybody, because um, even then, the flex fits, you know, there's a small, medium, and there's a large, extra large. There's two two sizes, and those can be really tough. The small uh, small mediums are really small mediums, and then the large, extra larges seem to fit pretty good to me. So I yeah. have a huge head. So yeah, and I feel like even though it is really spacious on top, it it almost makes it better than if it was because again i'm not a big trucker hat fan but it makes it better for south florida if humidity because i have like air up there like I'm, i don't feel like I'm, the top of my head is suffocating you know what i mean and combine that with the nice mesh in the back and i, I got some breathability you know i like it yeah yeah and my like my my work hat that i have that's like branded for new south it's a it's a full closed it's closed it doesn't have the mesh and i'll tell you now like even working inside it gets freaking warm in that thing. So I've I've come to prefer the mesh backs, you know, a yeah. lot more. So now I will say this. You're gonna make the you've made an alterna one, you're gonna make the bear die. You better make a damn subak one because then we need to have the holy trinity. The holy trinity. Right? Yeah. And I, I'll I need the holy trinity. I you know, even though I don't keep alterna, but I, I gotta have the, the holy trinity. I tell you what though, the hat has made me highly considerate. What do you mean? Keeping Alterna. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, like the, the Subog one would be fairly easy. The Baird's one, I don't know how exactly I'd go about doing that one. but You don't have like, um, you could do, uh, I've seen it where they take like blue and silver thread and blend it to give it like a metallic coloration. Like the, the thread itself is woven strands of like blue and silver or like blue and pur or purple and silver or they don't they even have like metallic thread too you could do you could totally do yeah. a loma alta no for sure that's not the issue yeah. it's just like pattern wise to where it's like the alterna where someone can look at that and know if they're into snakes and stuff be like oh i know what that is like it's instant instantly recognizable you know with the subog that's fairly easy because they have the h and the pattern and stuff and bear diet might be a little a little more tricky but I don't know. I have faith that you can do it. I haven't had a whole lot of time to work on any of that stuff as of late. Sorry, man. Take it it's slow. Been, it's been. You got a lot of great designs out real quick, you know? Not enough. <laughs> you can't have too many, man. You, you, you can't have too many. You got you to keep people in suspense. You got to keep them, keep them wanting the new fresh stuff. And then eventually you got to face stuff out. And then it's limited edition. Oh, there's already a few that I'm gonna probably go ahead and axe, like the Europlatus one. Okay. Um, there's a couple of them that just they haven't 
really sold hardly at all. So yeah, the nice thing is, since I'm pretty much making them to order, is that I'm not sitting on a bunch of inventory that I, you know, so I can just remove them and then maybe bring them back later. Who knows? Yeah, man, and the colors. Uh, first of all, the shirts, stupid comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, like just they just fit like a glove. The sizes you picked were perfect. Uh, you know, I trusted your judgment, man. And then, um, the colors on the Amazon, like, dude, like again, I don't keep Amazons, but that shirt is killer, man. Like I, feel I think yours. Radical. I actually I printed yours. So I put it on the on the platen differently than I normally do, so that it prints wider. Okay. Yeah, it fills up like the, my whole chest. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, and of course, I mounted the, it different before I put before I printed it. The uh, the clobber is hands down my favorite for obvious reasons. So. Did you try like the the two X and the three X, and have you washed them all? No, like, I have you washed no, them all yet? No, no I, I put okay. each one on and like did one of these in the mirror to kind of like look at it and then I, I literally just hung them up in my closet and I, I just put this one on for the show so gotcha I don't want to like wear them to work because then I get like oil and crap on them and yeah I don't want to ruin them so you yeah. know I'll save them for the glades yeah that's another one man it's tough especially you know sizing wise no there's no real standard and like every company and every even lines within the company yeah you know, those are going to be different. They're going to fit different. Um, lady sizes. Like, I have people at work that, that specifically want lady sizes in, in their orders. And I'm like, I warn them very heavily. Like, I there's a very good chance that you think you're wearing one size and it ain't going to be that. Like, yeah. the women's sizes run so small no matter who it is. I'm dealing with that right now with, with a customer who got a bunch of lady sizes and I, I warned them ahead of time. Like, do not trust yeah. the size you think you are. Go up. Yeah. And they didn't Can listen. Always... And now I got a bunch of shirts coming back to me saying they don't fit. And I mean, I'm helping them out and, and replacing some of them, but I'm like, I'm going to have to start making people sign something. Basically, if they're getting lady shirts, be like, if this doesn't fit, which I mean, already, if it doesn't fit you, like I can't know your size. Yeah. I can't know what fits yeah. you, you know. Yeah, you just do a disclaimer yeah, at the tough. bottom that says like before before they can add it to their cart on the women's shirts, just put, you know, women's shirts are very small. <laughs> FYI, you check this box acknowledging that you're buying this size shirt and it may be too tiny. I mean, is oh, it I just, mean like like not not phobia stuff or? like like at work like Oh, really? Placing orders. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought you were talking about phobias. No. So like stuff like that, like um, Randall Peggy's, uh, he gets, you know, he's a, he he wears a tall. So yeah, when he orders something, he's like, "Can you make sure it's just a tall?" And that's fine. So if there's anything that anybody wants, and I put this on the website on all the products, basically saying like, if there's a certain color shirt you're, you'd prefer over these, if there's a certain size or certain cut, use sizes, whatever, like just let me know. That doesn't really affect the price, you know, at all. Um, you know, your larger sizes, your two XLs and up are going to be a little more, but um, as far as the, you know, the, if you, someone wants a lady shirt or you shirts or something like that's fine. Just let me know. And the, you know, the printing process is the same. It's just different. Yeah. Different Cause Siki said it perfect buyer's responsibility. And it is, but people fail to fail to. Yep. Yep. Uh, remember that. What do you mean? There's no ice. I got to drink this coffee hot. 
No, it's I like I said, someone wants lady shirts. I'm like, it makes it just makes me nervous because I'm like, this is gonna come back to me. I like, yeah. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna. I mean, me and my coworker had a conversation about it the other day. Like, I'm literally gonna have to start having people sign something that says, "If this doesn't fit, it's it's 100 on me," and that we're not gonna do anything about it. Yeah, because we warned you. You know, that just it is what it is. It's not Walmart. You can't just bring it back. Yeah, it's custom shirts. There's absolutely nothing I can do with it except use it as scrap. Well, on a positive note. The patterns are awesome. The logos came out crisp and great, and they feel comfortable. So rock and roll. Yeah, I like those those Gildans a lot, the soft styles. Yeah, man. And it's super lightweight, you know. Yeah. 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 It's not that's not a it's not a standard Gildan, right? These are blend. it's no, it's not the baseline. No, that's hundred percent cotton. Oh no shit. It's like super yeah. thin and airy. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not so there's uh like your ultra cottons and then your heavy cottons, which are like the baseline Gildans absolute bottom lowest cost option um and then there's those and those are kind of a step up from that but even then cost wise they're not terribly far off from that stuff but they are way more comfortable and they come in a lot of colors and i love them shirts matter shirts matter What's new down yonder? Everything's settling in? Uh, yeah, yeah. I um I fed everything. What's today? Today's Monday. So I fed everything on. Oh geez, what's t- today's I fed everything this weekend. Um Friday night? Yeah, Friday night. And dude, everything ate. Everything was like, I'll take that. Thank you very much. You know, I even have a, a wild caught cotton mouth that Marcus got me in his neighborhood. And uh things gorgeous gorgeous and like i feel like this snake literally lived uh, like in someone's patio its whole life because there isn't a speck of dirt on it it's held up all its baby colors and uh excuse me it had given me crap feeding before and uh i literally just like held a frozen thawed uh crawler in front of it and it was like oh thank you very much keeper i'll just take that and just took it I was like, all right, it's working. I feel like the animals are responding to the higher ambient temperature much better. Yeah. Um, I was actually really afraid that things were going to be freaking out and like, oh, my God, it's too hot. Let me out of here, especially the North American colubrids. But, dude, it's July, and it's the North American colubrids, so they're just eating it up. And what's crazy is the subak, I swear that snake kills me, man. He literally sprawls out on his... um. Uh, specialty enclosure design purchase for the tubs and uh i have <clears throat> it's one of the ones where you can put the water bowl in it right so it's got the hole cut out and he literally just festoons himself across the entire thing he's just like yes give me your warmth so uh it's working out man and it was cr- i crack up because i go and check on the rats and like some days i walk in there and they'll be like spread eagle <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, they'll even be on their back just like laying like this like just yeah. i feel bad for him because it's hot as balls but it's it's makes me laugh every time because they're just like oh. <laughs> it's life man and what's crazy is the only enclosures right now that still have a basking light is the my two adult breeder wrinkles and it's only on for like two hours a day those suckers are basking 
they're basking. It's got to be over 100 degrees at the hot spot between the ambient of the room and the actual heat of the lamp. It's got to be. And but how just, long are they doing that for? Um, I don't know exactly, but I came in the so the, the light turns on at noon and turns off at two. I came in at like 10 in the morning and they were both basking with just the UV. I came in like maybe 12, 31 o'clock. They were under the heat lamp with the full hood open, you know, so like maximize that surface area. Yep. And then I came back like 3, 34 o'clock after the light was killed. They're still basking. And it's like 87, mm. 87.5 in there Fahrenheit. It's like, Jesus, like I'm dying in here. Can't imagine what they're, they're loving it, though. So. Do you not have like a, a wise camera or anything like that? No, um, I had wise at uh, at Underground's farm. And uh, dude, they just man, the reception would always kick out. And I made the mistake of putting the mounts inside the vision cages and Cobras would just like knock the camera over 20 minutes in. They're like, oh, look, like, technology. And just I knock used, it over. <laughs> I got uh, a second one for Christmas last year or for my birthday, I think. And. I have that one as like just a room camera and yeah. it's not so I the original one I got has like the motor in it and it will like you can get it to spin like 360 degrees. Oh, cool. Um, and you can adjust the eye to look up or down. Um, and then the other one I have is just static, but I think it's like a wider angle kind of lens. Yeah. Um, and so like with the Jansen eye, you know, when I was waiting on eggs, like I had that thing pointed at that cage and I could periodically check in. Without disturbing them, which I think for for higher strung species that are oh, yeah. prone to disappearing as soon as you walk in the room, like tree monitor guys, I'm you know I'm talking to you, um, something like that. I mean, those things you can get them at PetSmart now, and they're only like thirty bucks. They're not expensive. Oh wow! Um, and the app, I mean, I found that the app and the connection is I have no issues as long as I have service on my phone. Like I can check in anywhere. You know, when it's yeah. ex- when it's baby hatching time, I'll put a you know when a clutch starts pipping i'll put an egg box right under the camera and i can just check in at work and watch things hatch and like see what's out of the egg and you know how things are looking and just watch stuff nice Uh, and it's it's coming handy you know pairing chondros um being able to go back because you if you put a little sd card in it you can do playback and you can go back the entire night um and check to see if there's any locks like it's another thing, just like the Govies, it was something that I didn't think I would really use that much, but I actually end up using it, you know, damn near daily. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm literally opening the app for Govie right now because I got one on each side of the room and I haven't checked it today, so. Yeah. Yeah, I've been impressed with Wise, though. I mean, the app's been really smooth. Like, I've never had any issues with it crashing or anything like that. Um, yeah. And it's been it's been helpful, especially with the Jansen eye and being able to look and say, okay, that female has been in that lay box from 10 AM until two. And then she came out. I should probably go and check when I get home, you know, and with stuff like that, especially where it's like there it's quiet. There's no one in the room. Like you can actually see what they're doing because they're actually out and about. Yeah. Natural behavior. Well, I just checked the, um, we had major storms this afternoon for probably like three hours, four hours. And the hottest it got on the south side of the room was 81.7, which is 27.6 Celsius. And the north side of the room, which usually is a little cooler, believe it or not, uh, wound up being 82.2 Fahrenheit, which is 27.9. So it's actually cooler today than it was yesterday. And feeding day, I think it was like 87 when I fed them. So it's, it's, it, it was rough for me, but dude, they're loving it. You know, 
tis the season. So if I could get my room to hit 82 at like the peak of the day and then cool off, like that'd be perfect. Yeah. I mean, it'll, your stuff's way more tempered than mine, you know? True. Yeah. So, I mean, I, honestly, the only thing in my room that, that really isn't a desert or montane species is honestly North American colubrids. That's mm-hmm. it. Everything else is hot, you know? Yeah. So. I've actually I've been leaving the fan on too, like my ceiling fan. Oh, I leave that on, that on there just to, yeah, to circulate air and stuff, and sort of help get things moving a little more. Yeah, you gotta. But other than, uh, first clutch of corns are out of the egg. I saw. It's awesome. So that was the clutch that I thought would be. Half normals, half tesseras, and like be literally like normal wild type corns, like het for a couple things. Um, you know, the female was a ghost tessera, male was that pied blood red. Uh, and I didn't know what hets he had, and everything that came out of those eggs minus tessera is not what I thought it was going to be. So what'd you get? Uh, I I don't know. That's the problem. When you don't know the hets, it kind of sucks. So initially, when some like the first tessera popped out, I thought maybe it was diffused and maybe that the female was het diffused. Um, but there, are, the consensus is from the other people that are much better at corn snake morph stuff than me, which is a lot of people, uh, is they look hypo. So the male. Must be head hypo because female's a ghost, so she's already got hypo going on. Um, mask is definitely there, but that is pretty much guaranteed to be like that's a that's a package deal with with diffused and blood red is mask, um, which is what gives them like those paler heads that have like very little pattern. Um, and there's there's varying degrees of that with these, so. Um, yeah, so there's some tesseras and there's some so some of the ones that are like normal as far as the pattern goes. Those are the ones I'm looking at as holdbacks. Like those are really, those are nice. I can't wait for them all to shed and see see how they pop after that. But yeah, it's just it was wild. I was really expecting that clutch to be just a bunch of you know pets, which was fine because I you know I bred that that pair to keep the the dad's genes sort of flowing and going and. In case anything ever happened to him since I lost the female, um, you know, last year and it, uh, or this year, it was earlier this year and it surprised me. It was, you know, I'm not complaining, but it helps to know what your stuff is head for. Yeah. Yeah. At least some of the stuff is fairly visual. You know what I mean? Like that. You don't have anything that is a calico where you have no idea until it comes later on. You know what I mean? At least you have yeah. an idea of what's what, you know? Yeah. So, and who knows, man, maybe the hets are just going to be good looking normals, you know? Yeah. I mean, even though if, if they all look hypo, which hypos, hypo corns are a good looking snake. Um, it'll be interesting because they're, they're carrying that pie gene. Pied is kind of an odd one. It doesn't 
doesn't really work in the traditional way. It's like if you want more pides, you have to breed pides. And then it's it seems to be connected to the diffuse gene as well. So there's diffused involved and it's just is there a case where you may have a diffused baby and there is like a very tiny white spot like a good like a good white chunk but it's not necessarily pied you know what i mean i don't i don't know i don't think so because some of the pieds it sounds like most of them don't out of the gate i mean some of them do but it's not uncommon for them to develop that pied like the white comes in more and more as they age um, but there's been, I mean, there's some people in Europe that are breeding some pied blood red stuff that like they come out with a ton of white on them. So, and maybe that's just a line thing for those particular ones. I don't know, but it's, uh, it's wild. That's cool, man. I'm so still proud of you. I'm still happy it came out and, uh, I'm eager to see what they turn into. Yeah. Especially the ones you hold back. Yeah. Some are definitely going to go to Chris. I think he wanted to to get some and i definitely owe him because he sent me a ton of stuff so gotta send him some stuff good stuff good stuff yeah or if anything you can always just bring it to daytona you know that's true didn't think about that well see the the issue is with this clutch uh i got 12 babies and i have decided that this is the clutch that i'm going to try to recreate the mouse cutting study with Ah, all right. So I made, I made the spreadsheets today. Excellent. I went and I weighed them all today, like basically a baseline weight of what they all came out of the egg at. Nothing in them except for, you know, whatever yolk may be there still or yeah, yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, so I'm going to split them in the split them in half. One half gets no cuts, one half gets four cuts. So what, six and six, you said? Yeah. Awesome. And I'm going right, to. Well, right, here, let's rewind. For the people that don't know, why don't you give a real quick synopsis of the study and the point of it? So like I like I told Chris and the gang the other day in the Corn Stars chat, like I will die on this hill that this is a thing. I do that. You got me on and it. I'm on it. So uh, a veterinarian named Connie Hurley back in 2018 did a study on 30, 35 or 36 hatchling corns uh, where she basically – put them into four groups uh one group got mice that had four superficial cuts perpendicular to the spine frozen thawed mice not live don't be a freak uh and then they had another group that had three cuts and then like a deeper cut into the thoracic cavity another group that just had the deep cut and then one cut one group that had no cuts and she, over the course of 15 meals, she took the weights and things of these animals after they after they all ate. And she found that in the first group that had the four superficial cuts, there was like a 218% increase in in length and weight over the course of those 15 meals. That's crazy. To the, to the fourth, the, the control group that had no cuts, which only had like 108% growth increase in that same time period. I didn't realize it was that much. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And the other two groups uh, also had, you know, a very decent percentage of growth and, and stuff more so than the control group. But definitely the one that seemed to be the most effective was that superficial four cuts. 
Uh, and the basis of that study was like they're spending like they're phys physically their body is spending a lot of time just trying to get through the skin of prey items. Yeah. And fur. Inning was in order for those juices, like the digestive juices and stomach acids and stuff to get to where they need to go, they either have to go through the oral membrane or through the like super thin skin of, of the anal membrane, basically that anal skin. Um, because everything else is, is thick. It's, you know, it's skin that's designed to protect from the elements. It's skin that's designed to help keep things in and stuff out. Uh, and so by doing this, this gives those, that, that digestive process a, a sort of a fast track to the things they need. And they're more efficiently taking in each meal, processing these meals and getting more out of them essentially, you know, on a per meal basis. Uh, so this is something I've talked about for years. Uh, it's something that I do with a lot of my stuff, but I have yet to do it in sort of my own controlled way where I'm taking the measurements, you know, on a weekly basis, putting them into a spreadsheet, and I'm going to put them in a line graph, you know, at the end of it. Hell yeah. Um, and she had, so if there were any animals in that group that refused two meals consecutively, so she basically, if an animal refused a meal because it was in a shed cycle, that animal just got like a bye week. But if it was an animal that refused twice in a row, like, you know, maybe it wasn't a shed cycle and then it refused the following meal after a shed cycle, that animal got taken out of, of the study. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm going to do something similar like that. Um, I'm weird about feeding stuff that's in the shed cycle anyways, because I feel like it prolongs the, the amount of time it takes them to actually shed. Like I, I, oh, sure. I really sure. feel like it puts the shed cycle completely on pause for like an additional, like three to five days. Yeah. Um, I've I actually just, had it where it forced to shed. Like they ate and they're like, Oh God, I got to get this off before really? something happens. And they just shed like hours so later. Every time I do it, I feel like it, it just, it make it takes well, longer. It takes longer for them to digest it. And it takes longer for them to actually shed. Like it's. And like here's my thing too. And so, some of the snakes that are heavily patterned or an already lightly colored animal, I may not even notice that it's in shed. You know what I mean? Like so, like the hunter and milk snakes. Sometimes I can't tell at all, and then like three days later they shed, and I'm like, man, I never I never saw you get blue at all. So I would I'd feed them. They'd eat. You know, but yeah. if they didn't eat, I just chalked it up to all right. You, you didn't feel like eating. Not necessarily the fact that they're in a shed cycle. So, right. I, I if I don't know if I was you, I probably wouldn't take them out. I would just factor that in that, you know, I don't know. Well, it wouldn't get taken out. It's just like if they if I ended up like it's I I wouldn't I probably would give them a bye week if they're in a shed cycle, so they wouldn't okay. get they wouldn't get fed that week. Um, yeah, but now how many by how many bye weeks does each animal get? Like, are you doing like once one freebie every ninety days or something? So the, she did her study based on each animal getting fifteen meals. Oh, okay. So, oh, so it wasn't like a whole that, year, right? Oh, okay. Um, I thought you were doing like a twelve month plan or something. No, and I mean, I'm I'm not exactly sure. I haven't decided how long I want to roll with it. If I want to stick and try the 15 meal thing or if i want to take it farther than that um i've tried to do it in the past with other stuff and it always ended up being like i was in a rush to get things fed because we were going somewhere and so it was like okay uh 
you know, you're supposed to get cuts and you're not, but it's like, I got to get you fed. So whatever, it's not going to happen. So this time I'm, I'm making a conscious effort to yeah. make sure I'm weighing everything on the same day. Um, and, Are you going to do like, do you feed all your animals in one day or no? Yes. The snakes. Okay. So are you going to have of them? So like smaller stuff yeah. gets fed more frequently than the older, like the adult animals. Right. So all that stuff will get fed the same day. And then usually like the bigger stuff, they'll all get fed the same day too. So, Well, cause I was going to say is it, let's say, you know, Thursday is your feeding day or, or every other Thursday is your feeding day, whatever your sequence is. Um, you may want to do like the Wednesday before just those corns. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what I, my plan is, is to weigh them before I feed them. Right. And then the following week, weigh them before I feed them. Basically, that gives them time to have digested it, you know, pass whatever needs to be passed so that it's not, you know, in theory, it, it may very well not happen that way. But, I mean, they're colubrids, so sure. they probably will. Yeah. Um, and then I think that'll that'll yield pretty consistent results, but it's going to be interesting. I, I weighed them all today. Um, the range from in weights was from, I think 6.2 to 7.4 grams Okay, was the smallest big, and the biggest. I feel like that's big babies there. I mean, they were, yeah. I mean, they were incubated at lower temperatures. Yeah. Um, so they're definitely chunky. Uh, this is the first clutch from that female. So there's a second clutch that she laid. That's got 10 eggs. Um, Hurley did that study with several clutches with animals sort of randomly picked and assigned to different, you know, either the control group, uh, a group, B group, C group, whatever. Um, this, I'm wondering if it would be, and I'm sure, you know, Wyman can chime in or doc Loafman could chime in, but if I'm using the same clutch and genetically they're all the same in terms of like, there's no genetic, uh, like leg up yeah from one clutch compared to another if sure. that is gonna have more uh solid results but yeah we'll see i don't know i'm just gonna log it and then i have the spreadsheets i made them today plugged in all those first weights you know and we'll we'll see what happens i'm excited man i really i want to see how it goes i've been wanting to do it forever and so i finally decided i was like i got even number of animals yeah you know maybe the problem, the, the issue is, is like if I'm doing it for any sort of extended period of time, like I have to keep those animals and I have to keep doing it. Yeah. So that's one of the issues why I never really stuck with it in the past is because it was like, I got to get some animals gone. You know, I've got too many, you know, I got to sure. I got to get some sold. So this time I think it's uh, I think we're good. And I got a label maker. Finally, I broke down. I got tired of, of struggling <laughs> to read my own handwriting nice on nice. masking tape and i got tired of ink from the sharpie smudging over time oh yeah so i, I finally just broke down and I, I think i already i went through one roll of of labels already like nice just nice. yesterday get everything set up in that that xr16 rack um and then i'm almost positive i used at least half the second roll that came with it that's so. good man that's great how'd you do your ids so typically i just i'm pretty simple like like with this clutch um you know, I have the pairing, so it'll say PBRXGT, which is Pied Blood Red to Ghost Tessera. Uh, and then the serial number is 0123C1. So number one of 23 of that clutch, clutch one. Um, 
and that's that's typically how I do them pretty much every year. And you don't incorporate the gender into the code? If I know it, I will. Okay. Okay. I haven't I, I popped a few of these tonight. Um I'm gonna wait until the rest shed because I'm you know, Chris told me it's usually a little easier to pop after they've had that first shed. And last year I yeah. tried that and it definitely seemed to be. So okay. I'm gonna give them a couple more days and then I'll do it. But um with those, yeah, I'm just taking the Sharpie because there's usually a, a decent margin on the side yeah. of the, the text on the tape for some reason it drives me crazy because it's like i'm wasting so much tape i know i'll just i just take a sharpie and i write the sex on there yeah yeah kills me good like this stuff's expensive as shit man it's like you got me wasting like probably a third of the roll is just those margins yeah well you figure it's it's at least an inch every time you cut like every time you write something out regardless how long it is it's about a half an inch on the end on each end excuse me well, the problem I have too is they have two font sizes, which is small and large. Yeah. The small is pretty small, but uses less tape. The large is pretty large and uses more tape. It's like I really wish I could have something like right in the middle because yep. I hate well, using more tape to use the large letters. <clears throat> but especially if I have stuff that's got like that's a three G animal, it's a you know, Ultramel, Stripe, Hypo, Het, Annery. Uh, well, who made your label maker? Brother. Okay, so if you have a brother machine, there should be a return button that has the arrow to like return to the next line, right? And an enter button, if you will, on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. And you can put two lines in large font, and it will make it that medium font. I I almost the tried only- it the other day. I don't know what it did. It put in some weird like symbol or something. And so I was like, I don't know what that means. Okay. So because, well, all right. So, so you only have one LCD screen, right? It's a straight line. Yeah. So if I type in Justin Smith and I hit return, it'll give me the arrow symbol. Right. Right. And then I keep typing, you know, Justin Smith again, when I print it, it'll say Justin Smith twice with no arrow, no nothing. It's the M series, if that makes a difference. Uh, it won't, but if as long as you're hitting the return key, it'll it'll show the arrow symbol, and that's basically telling you you just returned to the next line. And that, I used to do that like on all my cages because it would say like danger venomous reptile, and then the right. next line it would say you know zero point zero point one you know Crotalus adamantius or whatever. Um, the only thing that drove me crazy that I could never figure out, and this is just my OCD kicking in, is it wouldn't center the words. It would all be from left to right. So, like, the left side was straight, uh, yeah. but the right side was like, mm-hmm. you know, but I guess I mean, those, those things have gotten surprisingly cheap, though. I mean, the one that I got was 20 bucks. Yeah. You spent 20 bucks. 20, tape. 20, $25 <laughs> if you're counting the, the four triple A's I had to buy with it. You yeah, know, exactly. Two rolls. I think the rolls for that series, too, are only like 11, 16. Oh, okay. You know, I, I decided not to go with anything crazy. You know, yeah. They had like a $30 model that was twice the size, but the, the rolls were also twice the price. And I was like, exactly. Ah. Yeah. Not for I this. Just, I've always been a masking tape and Sharpie guy when it comes to that stuff. And it just it yeah. got to the point that I was like, I can't, I honestly, my handwriting is so bad. There are sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I have no idea what that even says. <laughs> it's bad. And it finally just got to the point where I was like, Let's make this easy. We'll try the return arrow so you can get two lines of characters, right? 
and don't go crazy and redo your entire room just because you learned that feature. But on all your further ones, trust me, it'll it'll help. It'll. I'm gonna it'll go get it. it. I'm gonna try it right now. Go I'm get now it. Curious. Go get it. Well, while we're waiting for him to get it, because he's very excited. God bless. I um I used to do everything with a brother label maker, and then I got Cloud Forest Design labels, and there's no going back. There's no going back. Cloud Forest Design, shameless plug. I don't get anything out of it, but I love his stuff. So check him out. Anti-venom labels if you keep venomous. Holiday labels if you're festive. They I think he does a Halloween one. I think he does a Valentine's Day one, and uh, they're five bucks, and it's it's worth every penny. It's it's got a photo of the animal, it's got a map of where they come from, a, a, a locality map. It's got the common name, the scientific name. It's got some fun facts. So, rock and roll, and uh, yeah, labels. The weird things, the the weird things that go with our our hobby, with our discipline. So much extra stuff. It's crazy. So this is a brother P touch. Yes, the P touch. The it's classic M-, M tape. The classic P touch. Yay big P touch. Oh, you got touch. a big screen. You got a huge screen. Look at that. I guess. I don't dude. That is gig- that's like three times the size of the screen that I had on mine. Walmart, bro. Crazy, bro. Yeah. So like I'm having to use shorter like stripes right, so- S T R P E. So also I like capitals because not because I'm screaming at everyone, but it, yeah, it's easier to read from across the room. Screens are getting smaller. My eyes are getting older. All right. So let's do this test. The first test, just type in Justin Smith, then hit that return arrow button. And for those of you on your commute to work, listening to this, I'm sincerely sorry that we're doing this on your radio. Okay. You see the, you see the little return arrow, little L shaped arrow. Yep. All right. Now type I, in. I hit that. Okay. Now type in Phil Wolf. So it should say Justin Smith, Arrow Squiggly, Phil Wolf, right? Yeah. But it should all still be on the same line, right? Correct. Now hit print. Let me see if you can even see that. Yep. That looks good. Okay. So now hit print. And it should print on two lines. You're gonna owe me for this. That's why I, I will three inch to, piece. I'm gonna be using. Right I will. Now. I will buy you a whole roll for Daytona. I, I now understand why my mom, when she had one of these when I was a kid, was like, "Don't play with it." Yeah, Do you remember? Holy the old, shit! It worked. Look it worked. That. Oh man! I just blew his mind. I could have just saved a whole roll of tape. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, now yeah, you know, man. Gotta, there's got to be a way to center it. Yeah, there's got to be a way. I mean, yours probably there is a way. Mine was 20 years ago, 15 years ago. So what the hell do I remember? Again, 20 bucks at Walmart, man. Yeah. Not a bad not a bad deal. Can you hear my dog barking or no? Uh, Faintly. Okay. Um, do you remember back in the day, like this is probably, it's got to be 80s, where it was like a blue tape with like a metallic punch and the metallic punch made the letters white and they were like, they were like raised. Those things... I remember having them all over my house, and then they only lasted for so long, and then the whole metallic strip would peel off. Uh, yeah. My, how we've come. Well, I mean, so this came with a roll of, like, white tape, and then the second roll was, like, silver. So I was like, I don't want silver, man. I just want, just give me my tape. I'll take whatever color. I just want it to be free. <laughs> yeah, right? 
Well, I'm glad it panned out for you. And uh, don't stay up all night trying to figure out how to center it because you may not be able to. <laughs> it's, um, I have I saved the instruction manual. So uh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I like it. Well, on the note of organizationalness, if that's even a word, um, I just did an episode with Matt and Peggy on Herb Talk Radio about moving animals and moving collection. We didn't go too in-depth into my move because, A, that show, we, we departure so often, you know, which is, which is half the fun. Um, but I also knew that y- you wanted to have some more uh, moving chit-chat. And I know we didn't really get to to do a lot of it on the the last show that we did. So was there any questions or any conversations that you wanted to have about said that, that topic? Um, nothing like major, I guess. Okay. For like hurricane prep, which I know we've talked about previously. Yeah. When you're, bagging everything and boxing everything are you basically doing the same thing that you would do if you were moving them or are you taking them with you if you're not do you take that stuff with you if you evacuate or no well i so i've never evacuated um if you had to if i had to that's exactly what i would do it would be the exact same process so larger animals would get bagged into a bag and then that bag gets put into another bag and on the outside of that bag is written danger venomous reptile with the species name and how many animals are in that bag and then that bag gets put into an escape proof container um some guys use the big black tubs from home depot with the yellow lid and they just zip tie it um i actually have i have those and i actually have wooden crates with uh screen mesh on the opening lid where i could put like a padlock on it so there's a lot of different ways to do it but regardless it all has to say danger venomous reptile and then the you have to have an inventory of what's in that box on the outside so like for me i just got a piece of paper i write everything out tape that piece of paper to the outside of the box and we're good to go if it's a smaller animal it's all the exact same but it goes into a deli container the deli container gets uh, electrical taped around the rim or around the, the sides however you do it that way that if the animal pushes itself like stretches its body it can't pop that lid open and escape um that does not have to be double backed because it's in a, a rigid container within another rigid container, you know? Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> and then the biggest thing that I learned from it is have enough containers for everything that you have because I did not. And when I was prepping everything before the move, I was like, Oh my God, I don't have enough sink bags. I don't have enough deli cups. What the crap? So I had to go and get a, pull a bunch of old pillowcases from, from my linen closet that I haven't used in forever. I wound up using those. Um, and then at the same time, I'm a real stickler about snake bag corners. Anybody who's put a lot of snakes in a lot of bags, they you know that they push their face into that corner, and they'll actually bust the stitching. So a lot of actual snake bags that are purchased as snake transportation bags, they'll have the corners stitched with a zigzag stitching, uh, like a scissor stitching or a zipper stitching, excuse me. Um, and that way it makes a rounded corner and it can't put pressure there to pop that stitch. So what I did was I actually zip tied the corners of each of the venomous bags, as well as using uh, 
appropriate zip ties at the top to tie it uh, with a knot and everything else. But I like the zip ties on Venomous because now I leave the long extension of the zip tie still there. I don't cut it off. And now I have an extra handle. So I can grab oh, the yeah. zip tie and I can pick up a bag with two hands, you know, one at the knot end, keep my distance, and the other one by the zip tie, and I don't have to touch the bag at all. So, and I can even grab it with hemostats if I need to, if I really want to be extra safe. So little things like that really m- make the move. Um, but that was the biggest thing for me with that was I was like, man, I don't, I don't have enough deli cups. And like, that was the thing is I think I had, I had enough for the venomous. I didn't have enough for the harmless. And then some of the Cobras, like I did, I took the Ethiopian Cobra out and that thing's gotta be at least six, 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 one, six, two. And I'm like, holy crap, this thing grew like crazy. I haven't, I haven't like stretched him out in a while. You know what I mean? Because usually it's out of the out of the cage, into the holding container, clean the cage, take him out, put him back. It's real quick. But when you're trying to bag him, which I, I never do because I never have to, now I see that this animal is all of six foot and like, holy crap. <laughs> when did you grow up? You know? So I finished the uh, the Athers book. Oh, do tell, do tell. Oh, man. You read it cover to cover? Yeah. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Um, I mean, it's it's everything I hoped it would be and more. You know, it, it goes over all the species. It goes over the other sort of sister taxa, the Proatheris and Montatheris. Nice. Um, what are they calling Montatheris? So they... The neat thing is they also go into sort of the the synonyms and taxonomy of what they were when they first sort of were discovered and how it evolved okay. over time. Okay. Very initially early on, um, they were considered Vipera. Right. But now they're Montatheris uh, Hindii. Okay. Which was a typo by, I think, Belanger. Really? Or not not Belanger, but Belanger's typist, because he had handwritten notes. They say in the book that he had handwritten notes, but when he turned this into the typist, the typist misprinted. Hind- really? It was H-I-N-D-E-I is what it should have been. Typist put it in as H-I-N-D-I-I. Okay. And I guess because of rules, it never changed. That, that had to be it. So, <laughs> I, yeah, it's strange. That's crazy. Um, but it's a it's a very small um montane like it kind of like it looks like if you said okay that's related to bush vipers you could be like okay I can kind of see it a little bit. Let me let me pull it up. Why why paint a picture with words when I can just show you? Yeah, of course. 2023 we have the internet. And I can't spell. Good lord. I think they were also at one point in Bittus. And that got shifted. But they're these very small little montane, like grassland vipers that are, of course, critically endangered. While you do that, I was just looking back on some of the comments. Uh, Lisa asked if, you, if she wants to know if there's going to be a growth rate difference between males and females with your study. Yeah, that'll be interesting too. Um, I don't recall Hurley mentioning anything in her study in the findings. Okay. 
but I don't know. I'm I'm also interested to see if it changes across species too. You know, if the results would be different for bears, if they would be different for chondros, if they would be different for yeah, you know, rhinos. Sure. Look at that snake. I've never seen that before. How have I not seen this before? They look like a lot like atropos. They do, yeah. But it kind of has a small, uh, very small. It kind of has a, a city broadhead kind of look to it as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. Where, where are they from? Kenya. Really? Yep. Why have I not ever seen this? Well, that's the so that's the wild thing that I I never really thought of or realized. But so many of the Atheris species have tiny distributions like this, where it's literally like maybe a small group of dots uh, in a particular sort of mountain, you know, chain or range. Right. Um, so like aside from squams, which stretch everywhere, pretty much across the center of Africa from coast to coast, it seems like, and even up into, you know, the, the ivory coast a little bit, but um, so many species of Atheris, their, their ranges look just like this where it's just little dots. Yeah. Uh, and some of that is because some of these countries are so war-torn and in such freaking dis. If the ranges are, are larger than what they think it is. Um, right, right. The guy that authored the book does mention in a lot of the lot of the species sort of descriptions and accounts that, that the ranges of some of these are likely bigger, but because no one's able to actually get there and look... Um, you know, there's no way to say for sure, but basically, don't be surprised if they're if they are encountered in places outside of of that. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It almost has a um uh uh, uh, by, uh, uh, uh yeah. face. Yeah, it's it's this sort of weird amalgamation of like Vipera, Bitis, you know, Akistrodon. Yeah, super cool. Convergent as hell. They're cool, and they they say the. You know, they live in like grasses and they're not really arboreal. Um, they just find them in like these little pads of, of grass in these fields and stuff. And they have the, the book also does a really good job of showing you like habitat pictures and stuff. Nice. So you see, you know, where these Very things cool. are living. It's pretty cool. Very cool. That's awesome. It's a great book. I will cherish it forever. It has a, a good section on on husbandry and breeding, and nice um, a section on on venom. You know, with that genus, and um, you know, it, it talks about all eighteen species. He even goes to say, like, basically, I'm not a taxonomist. I'm not a scientist. You know, you may not consider some of these to be valid species, but for the sake of, of this book, you know, I, I separated them because um, there are a few species of Atheris that that are only known from, you know, a hollow type or, you know, singular animals. Uh, and some of them haven't haven't even been seen alive in, in decades. So there are a few where it's, you know, pictures of, of one of the museum specimens or something, but it's pretty interesting that uh, he also mentions that. Uh, in not only squams but also rungwansis, uh, there is likely some cryptic speciation going on there, kind of like with what we saw with chondros. Okay. Uh, and how, because like with rungwansis in particular, you know those used to be considered a subspecies of nishiae. Uh, that 
changed, but they say that there's like a northern type and a southern type because they morphologically they look different. So they think that maybe there's there's more going on there. And then in squams, just given their range, um, they think that there's there's more going on there too. Um, nice. And there's another there's a species actually that they mention. Uh, I think it's Ancelepis, which is it had full species status and it's basically very similar to squams minus some minor differences. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head what they were. So I don't know, but it talks about like Brawly Eye, uh, Matilde, um, Suboccularis, which I didn't even realize was a species. I don't but even know what that is. It's the species that's phylogenically closely related to squams. Okay. Uh, the book also mentions that 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 particular part was interesting because he mentions that they're not even 100% sure if it's legitimately a species because they've only found males. They've really? not found a female of that species. And so they think that maybe those in particular is just a distinct population of squams. And okay. females look like normal squams, but males are smaller, like wimpier looking, much more drab in color. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a Waggler Viper scenario. Kinda, yeah. Uh, but they Very talk cool. about you know Hispida and Hirsuta and yeah. um, you know all of them. Yeah, you said there was a, a section on Superciliaris. Yep, that's yep. awesome. It's on there my was list, man. there was one also on uh, what was a Denerinos. I don't know that one. I didn't look that up because those are interesting too. Because that's like similar to that that Montatheris, right? Let me see. Dan Rhinos. It's now Atheris barbari. Oh, okay. I know this. Yeah, but it used to be. Uh, monotypic used to be a dinner rhinos but really i didn't know that those are really weird because they're these odd little the odd thing too is like a lot of these sort of smaller more oddball atheris are mostly like slug eaters yeah like they don't even they've come to find that they really don't even eat mammals hardly at all a lot of them are lizard eaters or slug eaters yeah um but yeah, you look at this you look at barbari and again, it's another one where it's like, okay, I can see where like it kind of looks like it could belong to the genus, and how yeah. it even has sort of full atheris status, I find strange because, again, it looks nothing like everything else in the genus. It's yeah. very clearly something different. Um, yeah, it's it, they they still have that 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 head, you know, that that atheris. Yeah, but even then, I mean, look at that. Head. It's yeah. it's odd. Yeah, and I think they said phylogenetically these are also the closest thing they're related to are squams. Really, not Hespida. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. It's always crazy to see the hand holding pictures. I feel like if you ever find one in the wild, you're like almost obligated to do it, but because there's so many hand holding pictures, and all I can uh, think of is like so, I would never hold that thing. So damn adorable. They're so adorable. Look at that little guy. I know. He just wants a friend. And for, for those listening, it's basically a slug-eating snake bred with a squam. If you wanted, to, if you wanted to 
it's look at it that way. Freaking Goomba from Mario Brothers in snake form is what it, it is. It is a thousand percent a Goomba. <laughs> There's a Matilda. Nice. Which I find awesome that those used to get imported as Ceratophora. Yeah. And no one like I'm surely someone saw it and questioned it was like this isn't like a group of Ceratophora came in looking like this. Uh, and dude, like, I've seen it in person. These can't be regular Ceratophora. I've, I've, I personally cracked open a box at Strictly back in oh, 2009, 2008. Man. And we had, I think it was like 25 or 26 Ceratophora. And there was at least seven or eight of them that looked like that. Yeah. So. Mabuensis, that's one of the newer species. It's from Mozambique. That's kind of mm-hmm. newer to newer to the genus. Yeah. There's like uh, there's the, there's this and up. there's a there's another species that they found that's that that, that Barbarai picture like that's the famous picture right there. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple species that were just like these tiny little pockets that are somehow just different. You know, they're their own. Yeah. They're surrounded by squams and other other species in the in the in the genus, but they're you know they're their own thing. To say I oh yeah I know uh, awesome. It also I like that he also gave um, sort of the species status and in, in her pediculture for each one too. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, there were some where he was like, "Yeah, no one's got these." Yeah. There's, yeah. Even the like the hispida and stuff. He's like, people get these, but they die really well. Yep. They yep. last about a month. Oh man, I had one at least six months, and then I, and then I got rid of it like an idiot. But again, I'm feeding it green tree frogs every yeah. four days, and it's like I can't keep this up. You know, that's why I got rid of it. Yeah. Well, he mentions, um, you know, like what the stomach contents were found in, and some of the some of the animals. Um, like the hollow type and things like that. Like it's really, it's in depth, but it's not so in depth that it's like overwhelming. It's like just the right amount of information. Nice, nice. Um, it's it's just it's really well done, and I love Did the he... fact that the guy isn't even like a professional like herpetologist or anything. He's just a dude that loves the genus. That's awesome. That's the best kind of book, man. Yeah, dude, it's great. It's the best kind of book. The um, it, did he mention any studies to kind of? Do like what Natush did in terms of like genetic the, the, like yeah, diversity, like, yeah. Figuring out that you know all the squams are the same or not the same or whatever. No, it was, I think it was mostly like just speculation among theorized, and it needs to be done. And it sounded like maybe it was something people were gonna do eventually, but who knows? Okay, like what's that? What's cool. that book right there with the red dofas on it? Uh, Book of Snakes, a life-sized guide to 600 species from around the world by O'Shea. Oh, that must be like the Thai version of O'Shea's book. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Caught my eye. Look at that. Yeah, it's awesome. With your, What was your experience with Ceratophora, though? Because he does mention in the book that, that Ceratophora are like notoriously difficult to keep. They are notoriously you, difficult to keep. Really? Because it never un, seemed like it was something. They never struck me as something that was that difficult. The problem is uh, the guys who kept a group of them and just left them be, they were fine. It was the guys who had one or two 
and that was like a pet, they those are the ones that died. And I really feel like I had to do a lot with feeding cycles and stress. Mm-hmm. I feel like they stress super duper easy. And I feel like they were just forced rodents and it just wasn't right. And that's why they crashed. Um, and again, uh, the times that I kept them, I was keeping them for sale at Strictly. And if they didn't want to take a pinky, well, they got an annul. And they ate the annul, and they lived in a windowless box. So they did well. And then we sold them, and they flew out, and I never know what happens after that. But Yeah, I just remember seeing them available all the time, but I ne- ne- never heard anything about them being difficult to keep alive until yeah. you know the book. He talks about it multiple yeah. times that they're just they were a struggle for a lot of people for some reason. I always thought it cool that Nipper had broadly eye. Yeah, oh for sure. For sure. And I mean I we, we had to say I come in too, and dude, those things just ate off tongs. Those things were awesome. Yeah. Yeah. such a cool species like the fact that 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 is whittled down via evolution and you get something that badass looking yeah incredible ridiculous africa man i love it yeah they showed some of the different uh like color forms and stuff too with some of these i guess there's there's some uh, to say i that, that don't even have really this tipping as much it's just black along the dorsal oh really pretty cool that's awesome yeah I yeah don't, i don't know man such a cool group of snakes so cool so cool i'm waiting for someone to do an echis book the same way that this guy did a atheris book because there is so many echis that just don't look like they're supposed to and uh I was just watching a video of, uh, I actually shared it on Venom Exchange Radio's uh, Instagram story. It looks like they're supposed to, how? So, like, okay, you have um, Sukrekai from, you know, central India, and it looks a certain way. And then you have Sukrekai from Pakistan, and it looks a certain way. Right. And then you see this baby that's just trippy, just crazy zigzags. And the guy's like, oh, no, this is from Central India. And you get another guy who's in Pakistan. And it's the same same exact pattern, but it's red. And it's like, these are not phenotypes, dude. These are like, they, they need to do work on it because there's so many regional variances and regional localities of patterning and color that I'm sure it's a chondro scenario. I'm sure of it. Oh, I would have no doubt. I mean, when you're dealing with a, a, you know, a genus in particular with a range that massive that spans so right. much real estate, and 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 just like Tremerserus and Pariah, like you have half of them that lay eggs and half of them that don't. Right. Better yet, but let me rephrase that: you have the same species that, depending on where it is, lays eggs or gives live birth. Mm-hmm. Like that is wild to me. I mean, that would I would consider that to be a a pretty good marker for for splitting as opposed to exactly slight variations in scalation versus or color or color morph of a particular area you know something like that i'm like okay i think that would warrant investigation a little further like clearly that's that's a pretty big difference in terms of like overall biology and stuff like that's got to be sure sure gotta be something it's too odd 
Like if I heard of like Adamantius somewhere, you know, further down the coast that were laying eggs instead of live, I'd be like, mm, probably want to look into that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I think it's it's similar, like the Dion's too. It wouldn't surprise me if those ended up having, and, and it got, I guess that's kind of that's the tough part with the the splitting and the and the lumping is like there surely there has to be more than one factor that can dictate that kind of thing. Like given yeah. the amount of space that the range of Dion's has naturally, you're going to have a lot of genetic variants from Siberia to, you know, uh, Western Europe, you know, yeah. there's going to be differences. Obviously the stuff that's, that's on one side is not going to be the same as the other, especially when you're considering the span of time that it took for that species to, eventually have such a broad range that by yeah. the time you start to the time you end, like they're going to be fairly different genetically. I would think I could be completely wrong. Uh, like, same with, they... I feel like, I guess it's the same thing where it's like, yeah. there's such a large range and you have so many different uh, biomes, you know, behaviorally, like ecologically, they're living different lives from the natural history aspect. Like maybe some group is eating on, strictly geckos and another group is is feeding almost entirely on mice because that's just what's available and over time they just shift and and you know dwarfism occurs or you know sure. something you have particular population that's just massive for this for the genus like yeah what's the you know what how many how many boxes do they have to tick to qualify i guess is kind of the yeah question. yeah do they go down as far like into central china I mean, and and if they do, do they go west to like Tibet and Nepal? Dion's? Yeah. Uh yeah, so like the the Dion's and Bimaculata almost meet in the middle, if I'm not mistaken. I'm having to dig back through the messenger book. Like, like, like Himalayas like you, across if China. You split China in half. Right. Dion's come down pretty far and then bimaculata are slightly below those and there is some intergrade there okay but the range for bimaculata is way smaller than dion's yeah, yeah. and those are very that's another interesting one because those are those are very closely related um they look very similar uh bimaculata have a different number of chromosomes than dion's do and okay. the uh structure of the hemipenes is different in the two Okay. So it's just, it's bizarre because they get mixed up a lot. Uh, you know, they get sold as Dion's when they're actually bimaculata, vice versa, crosses, intergrades get sold as Dion's and they're not. Sure. Um, but there's, I mean, like there's straight up a difference in the number of chromosomes. Yeah, that's why. And you wouldn't know that looking at them. If you saw them side by side and you had no idea what they were, you would say they were the same snake. Yeah. You know, unless you had some of the radical, um, like phases, phase differences, you know, the striped versus the the barred bimaculata against, you know, a regular Dion's. It's not going to be as obvious. But yeah, it's it's wild. Nature's weird. How's that cigar? Yeah, it's all right. It's, I love it. I love it. Cool it's a cigar. 
Yeah, exactly. It's a cigar. I let it cool off a little bit. Uh, I'll probably light it in a few minutes just to see where it's at. I mean, it's it's gotten cool, so I'll try and push some of it out and see if that helps a little bit. But how's what that other, going? Oh, it's amazing. Nice. Always amazing. What other? Like, how many different species of echis would you would you get in at the shop? So it depends on the time of the year. So like underground would get um, underground did a lot of Egypt and that would be um, Pyramidium and Coloradus. Mm-hmm. And then hold on a second. The dog's going crazy. Boy, well, some of those Coloradus though. Ooh, I know, right? Ones. So then uh, Strictly would also get Egypt, but then we also would get Oh geez, we would get Kenya, we would get Uganda, we would get um I'm trying to think where else had Echis. What species um, is in Uganda? I think it's still I think it's still Colorado. I don't remember. Um and then they would get like a ton of West Africa. Mm-hmm. So like Benin, Togo, stuff out of Liberia, um Cote d'Ivory, um where else? Stuff that was, I guess, Nigerian that got walked over to uh, Ghana and out of Ghana. Um, and most of it was Lukagaster. And then mm-hmm. I, I want to say there was some Romani. And actually, Henry and I, th- I, I had gotten a pair of Lukagaster. And the girl looked totally different than the boy. And they never bred. And I did everything by the book, man. And they just never bred. And Henry was like, dude, I think it's Romani. I think it's Romani. And I don't know. I I wanted to believe, but uh, she went up passing away before we really ever did like a scale count or anything. Uh, mm-hmm. But I had I had them paired. Up. I had them cohabbing for like four or five years. Um, man, now I'm drawing blanks as to the species. Hold on a second. Let me look at like my notes and shit. Hold on. <clears throat> it's unbelievable. It's such a small small snake can pack such a punch i know it's wild right and then i actually i had a sucre guy that someone smuggled and as a gift and had i known they were doing that i would have told them not to but it still was super cool and um the only thing that uh the only thing i get to eat was crickets it was a baby it was a neonate and it went up passing away yeah uh, carnatus excuse me we would get carnatus we get coloratus um uh, Jogurai, that's what it was, not Romani. Jogurai, I don't know why I came up with Romani. Um, Luca Gaster, um, Ocelotus. yeah, dude, Ocelotus. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there was Romani's in there too, but the one I was thinking of was, um, was Luca Gaster? Um, hang on a second. I'm trying to find the 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 most recent um, uh, Colorado's pictures. Hold on a second. What species that was imported regularly was always the one that you dreaded having to deal with the most? 
in general, not <sighs> necessarily, but just in general. I mean, where they say, "Hey, we got a box of 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 this coming in," and you're like, "Damn it, like, I don't want to." I, I mean, first first inclination is mamas and spitters. It's just a pain in the ass, man. It's just a pain in the ass. Like the the amount of safety protocol that has increased in my mind <laughs> is annoying. You know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, I'm not just sending... I would imagine wild caught mambas would be a considerably larger pain to deal with than Captain. Yeah, Pizza. yeah. Wild caught mambas, wild caught spitters. Um, the, the worst is, honestly, um, Egyptian cobras. Egyptian cobras from Egypt, you get them in and there's just, I mean... 30 or 40 of them and like mm-hmm. they're separating them and hydrating them and they're just they just don't want to ride a hook and they just want to hood up and stare you down and come at you and it's just it's just annoying you know i would say but honestly right out of the gate like my first instinct is to say wild mambas and wild spitters african spitters specifically like red yeah re- dude reds are atrocious and honestly mozambique's the worst <laughs> Mozambique's the worst. I think. I think, as the South Africans call it, mafizi is an absolutely amazing animal. I love it. They are so cool. There, I love the species. It's a beautiful, iconic, scary species. Those aren't really like imported, though, right? Like they no used really to, but they those. used to be really. They, they, yeah, because they're cheap. <laughs> um, but dude, what a freaking handful! Like just what a handful. Them and um, uh, Sumatrana, the equatorial spitter. And because there's the whole thing of equatorial spitters actually produce venom as they're spitting and it literally doesn't run out of ammo. So like some snakes, they'll spit three or four times and they'll take a few minutes, like, or maybe a minute or two break. No, these things are just like bang, bang, a couple seconds, bang, bang, a couple seconds, bang, a couple seconds. It's like, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? You know, Um, hold on, let me find this. Uh, this um ocelotus that we just got hold on scott iper oh we got an iper in the house i was actually just thinking of him <clears throat> i love going onto my photo album on my phone and just typing the word snakes and then like how many photos come up <laughs> it's intense it's intense. Do you want me to hold the the phone to the screen, or do you want me to send it to you? You can hold it up. Okay. All right. Um, this was last year, and dude, these things were just insane. The contrast, and these came out of uh, I think these came out of Ghana. Hold on. And if Where it bites you, you're a Ghana. it's also wild with these with the imports is is that they still they're in as much shock you know as anything else but they kind of they give you the full sense of security they're like oh man i'm finally out of this bag oh you gave me water thank you human you gave me water oh by the way watch out i'm a sosco viper they do this crazy (laughs) spaz as a thank you i will only minimally tried to murder you yes yes exactly exactly check out these animals dude look at these things 
these people. Have you ever so seen? Has, does anybody do anything? I know Court uh, had super silly airs for a while now, but at one point a while back, I don't know if he still does or not. But it's like it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of people with those. Either. Yeah, I, I got a couple of friends that are that have them. Most of the people that have them right now in the states all have uh, captive bred babies from Europe. Mm-hmm. So I would say in the next four or five years, uh, I'll ha- I'll have probably hopefully have access to some captive bred u.s babies um because they are a thousand percent on my list i mean so I the book honestly, also said they're they're pretty easy to keep and pretty easy to breed yeah yeah i, I think they're availability they're, they're more on my list than uh than like worthington i or anything don't tell nipper i mean that like this is my buddy <laughs> this is my buddy's baby he's raising up but like look at that thing oh yeah That thing is killer, and then, uh, dude, like, look at they're just so cute. Look at this little face. Look at this little, look at this little lethal hog nose. Look at him. The book also said they were surprisingly toxic too. Yeah, right. Just decept. uh, What is it? Deceivingly toxic. Um, I'll give it a couple more seconds. If I can't find the photo, then we'll we'll move on. But. Where the hell are these photos? It was only last year. What am I doing here? Oh no! It's a problem if you have that many snake pictures to dig through. Yeah. Well, I type in snake. Oh, here we go. Um, <clears throat> so, same locality, different phenotype. Oh wow. Hmm. Yeah, insane. And then uh, we got in Pyramidium too. At that same time, we got an Egypt shipment, and uh, and dude, the Pyramidium that came in this past year, whew. And like, it's tough, man, because like Echis really aren't my thing. But you see it, and it's like that's a small snake. I don't need that that big of a cage. What's another one? You know, I talk myself out of it. Oh man. Like look at these things. Actually, this is Luca Gaster. Mm-hmm. Photos just don't do justice, man. Pick up Pick up your fucking skateboard. I just heard your mom yell your name or something. Someone yelled your name. Maybe. Oh, really? I don't think that's that's not me. Maybe it's a neighbor. The meatloaf. I just hear the dog barking. We want it now. So, yeah. Echis. They're cool. Yeah. Doesn't seem... uh... I don't know. It, it seems like those were something that was kept a lot more regularly, you know, back in like the mid two thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's more people keeping some of the smaller stuff like that, um, and it's just not public. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I got friends that have Worthington Eye that they're going to breed, um, uh, Bitis Rubidia. Um, nice. Yeah, and the, the super silly Rs, man. I mean, I'm so I'm so stoked for that. I really am. 
Is there a reason we don't see a lot of Caudalis or Cornuda? Uh, I think it's just price. Yeah. I really do. I think I think uh, most of the dwarf bitters. First of all, no one, no one breeds them in the U.S. that is willing to part with them. Mm-hmm. And the people that I know that keep them, it's all captive bred from Europe. So, and it's honestly been within the past four or five years. I think because of Facebook and uh, just groups online and Instagram and just people communicating there's more there is more communication in that niche market between europe and the united states right and therefore cool stuff comes in you know you know i got i got a buddy down in miami um i'm i got he's got cape uh he's got um uh wow now i can't remember the locality but regardless south african puff adders captive bread and um i'm gonna go grab a pair from him probably next week babies um and he brings in cornuda he's got cornuda you know um and uh now i can't remember what's the the desert one why can't i remember the desert one the desert bitus zirapaga excuse me um but oh, yeah. yeah dude he's got a, he's got a group of zirapaga and like i cannot wait for him to produce that because that is that is going right in my room so Puffs seem like one that's just like after a while you're tired of their bullshit. And it, they're really not that bad if you are calm and give them space and just don't mess with them. It's the people that mess with them that just just it, I, I've 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 had a lot of puffs over the years. Uh Tanzanian, South African, Mozambique, um I never really had issues because you go smooth, you go quick, you keep the snake balanced on two hooks, out of the enclosure, into the tub, what have you, out of the enclosure, onto the floor, take some photos, whatever. Feeding is never an issue. And then I would get an apprentice who would try and just yoink that thing out of the cage or dump the tub out onto the floor because they didn't want to reach into the tub or whatever. And like the snake knows what's going on. It, It gets irritated. You know what I mean? Or, or they're tickling with the tip of the hook. They don't commit fully to the scoop. You know, or they're using a hook head that's not, that's too thin or not positioned right. You know, now they're pinching ribs or pinching skin. And that dude, puffs lash out. It's what they do, man. It's one of the fastest strikes in the world. Hold on. Yeah, I see you're lagging a little bit. And yes, Scott, uh, Zinapaga. What did I say? Zirapaga? I was close. Yeah, Scott said it great. He says, I have I have said it many times. Venomous snakes are not playthings. Confident and smooth equals safe. And there goes Smitty. But that's all right. He'll be back. So, yeah, I just I think that um, I feel like there's a lot of cool stuff in the woodworks with uh, responsible venomous keepers doing things right. And we're segueing more into a better venomous keeper with better venomous animals. I really do. Um, And yes, that means that you're 
$30 puff adder is now going to be a $300 puff adder, but that's okay because the people that are committed to the species or, or the locality, they're, they're going to do what's right and go from there, you know? And, uh, Henry's telling me that, uh, Zeropaga or Cites too. They they may very well be, but um, I know for a fact that the ones that are here are legit papered. So, like ped ass. pedigree stuff from Zoo Stock or whatever. Yeah, you're back. Yay! So I missed pretty pretty much all of what you just said about puffs. <laughs> no, I was just saying is keep them calm. Don't be a jerk. Know what you're doing, and they're perfectly fine. You know, but be prepared that to have them lash out irrationally because they're puffs and that's what puffs do. They lash out irrationally. So, but I've never kept um, Seems personally like, kept. like having a big pissed off pit where it's like every, every time you got to deal with them. It's just like, oh my you're God, here about, we go. Wait, Let's just get this over with. You talking about Pitchyophis or Pipple Dog? Oh. Smitty froze again. Dun dun dun. Well, we can hear you breathing, Bubba. There you are. You're back. Here I am. Switched to my hot my my phone. Good enough. Calling my Do internet it. people tomorrow because this is crap. Do it. Do it. Do it. Bacardi and Cola. Do it. Do it. Well, is there anything else you want to touch base on tonight? I don't think so. All right. It's a good show. What about you? Nah, man. I'm good. Just good. enjoying my Fulvius apparel. There you go. Super excited for Daytona. Less than I month. am too. Boy. So they announced, I think today or yesterday, that if uh, you can get VIP tickets for $100, which gets you access to the show during setup oh, geez. Saturday, and you get an early Saturday and I think early in on Sunday. Okay. Which someone actually brought up a good point of. If you're letting people into the show early on Friday, being concerned of like for security reasons, I guess someone like people stealing stuff while people are setting up, like yeah, it's gonna happen. Seems like a very real possibility, and yeah. I can understand like yeah, it's, it'd be nice to to get in early, early like that. And I'm sure vendors, you know, some of them will appreciate the fact that the people that do that are probably actually looking to buy. Um. But at the same time, it's like now I have to have someone watching everything while I'm trying to set up well, and get everything it, ready to go. And if I don't have anybody with me, that is then me. And to me, it's not so much watching everything to make sure somebody doesn't glom a snake off a table. It's more so of I have to stop setting up to cater to a customer. And now everything is delayed, you know, or my staff is delayed or what have you because I have to cater to the customer, which isn't a bad thing we, we're there to, to to take care of people and sell it sell stuff but it makes things a lot diff, more difficult and i know back in the day probably maybe at least 10 years ago um you could buy a vendor's badge 
for the price of a table. Whatever the price of the table was, you could buy that badge and it would grant you vendor access. You didn't get a table because you, you didn't have a table to, to use. But the reason why they did that is because you'd have these big wigs from Japan and China and Southeast Asia that would come over with a fanny pack full of cash and they would literally buy an entire table of Pac-Man frogs, an entire table of corn snakes, an entire table of ball pythons. And that would be, just be done Friday. They would just do that Friday. Yeah. And like it made everyone a ton of money, but most people were extremely apprehensive to pay two or three hundred dollars for early entry, except for the dude from Japan making right. hundreds money. Of, yeah, exactly. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens this year. I know last year was a a bit of a bit of a cluster. I would hope that that things have been ironed out, but at the same time, I also won't complain if I get to watch Wayne argue with people in the comment section of, of Facebook more, because that's pretty entertaining. Especially considering when he's like telling people to come say these things to his face and like nothing against Wayne, but he's an older gentleman. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're playing with fire there, guy. Yeah, yeah. But it's gonna be a great show. It's gonna be a great show. It will be tons of great people. Forward to it. Yeah, stoked. I think by the time that that weekend gets here, I will. I mean, I'm already in need of a of a break because work's just been unbelievably crazy the last two or three weeks. That by the time that weekend rolls around, I'm gonna be ready to get get the hell out of Dodge for a bit and. Hang out with my people. Yeah, man. It's going to be great. Have a stocked cooler and ready to rock and roll. That's right. Uh, this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. Use code THN at checkout. Grab yourself a rack. Grab yourself a cage. Uh, at the very least, go give them a follow on both social media platforms stay in the loop about some new stuff coming down the pike uh stay in the loop if you can type it you should be able to say it in person kasiki said and meet me in the parking lot kasiki so i can show you where all the good corns are and you can go buy them i'm gonna make kasiki uncomfortable as hell when i just give him the biggest bear hug because i legitimately miss that dude Do you have do you have a list of things this year? Well, I figure we'll do it like a pre Daytona show as we get yeah, closer to Daytona. But it's like, what do you you got a you got a mental list going on? Right yeah, now? well, absolutely. So Mike has a male Everglades rat for me already. So that's my 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 pre show pickup, if you want to call it that. Um, and then I've got Subox on the brain, man. Got him hard. Got Subox hard on the brain. So I'm gonna look for them. And uh, honestly, I mean, I, I may look at a couple of the colubrids, but I don't want to. I don't want to go crazy, man. I got a ton of stuff right now, and I got stuff yeah. I'm still raising up. So we'll just play it by ear. Yeah. The only thing I'm I have sort of planned is some a couple of corn things. Even then, I'm going to be kind of picky about what I get if if it's available. You know, I don't need any more bears at the moment. There's really nothing else. You know, someone mentioned, well, what about some more Ganyasoma? It's like, I don't have the space for an adult 
another adult Ganyasoma, you know, even if I got oxys or something, there's just, uh, you know, it's like I want to do that, but I also don't want to drop a bunch of money on an animal that's that's going to be a, a real struggle for the next year. Yeah. So my yeah. I say this every year, though, too, where I'm like, yeah, there's not a whole lot. I'm not going crazy, whatever. And then I somehow end up coming home with, you know, eight snakes and. <laughs> how it goes man it just happened i don't, I don't know it's how it goes but so black box cages puget sound pythons facebook and instagram find them on morph market go check out what they have up for grabs full visa apparel full apparel.com get a shirt get a hat get both get it all it's all good and cold-blooded caffeine We will. I, th- I don't. I don't know if we're gonna be back Thursday or not, because Matt mentioned Jake being on Herp Talk. Jake mentioned Rob Christian coming on THP. Whoa, whoa, whoa! But now, like, I we have to sort this out because no, there's no sorting out. Rob Christian comes on our show Monday night, and we call it a day. Well, we have to, we have to sort that out with Rob. I will. I'll call him he's when we a, hang up. He's a hard man to pin down. He's slippery like an eel. I love it. Slippery like eel. And then Corn Stars, me and Chris are working on a, another episode for that here, possibly the week after next next week. Awesome. We'll see. TB, TBD. TBD. But thank you all. See everybody later. Bye.